Hello and welcome to Pale, the Hindu's weekly discussion podcast. I'm Prashant Parmal, your host for the day. Former Reserve Bank of India Governor Mr. Raghuram Rajan in a recent note questioned the success of the production linked incentive scheme in boosting domestic manufacturing and exports. The PLI scheme was introduced by the center in 2020 and funds worth uh, lakhs of crores have been allocated towards subsidizing companies and manufacturing in India. Uh, the center believes that the scheme would boost uh, as actually already boosted uh, domestic manufacturing sector uh, but critics of the PLI scheme have questioned the PLI success and even have uh, raised doubts about its necessity. Uh, to discuss this we uh, have with us Uh, Mr Arun Kumar who is a retired professor of economics at the Jawaharlal Nehru University and Mr Nagesh Kumar who is the director of the Institute for Studies in Industrial Development. Uh, welcome both gentlemen. Uh, I'll start off with the first question by Dr Arun Kumar you could probably start uh, take this question. I guess like uh, so can you like go over the whole strategy of you know like uh, incentivizing certain companies or like certain sectors uh, certain sectors like you're marking certain sectors and giving them subsidies and also the other uh, side on the other side import okay. tariffs on imports uh, to uh, make sure the domestic manufacturers are uh, favored do you what do you think of the old strategy of the of the pli scheme okay thanks prashant for having me uh, globally you know nations are trying to capture markets of others by exporting more than what they import so that is what brings us to the question of defending national markets for protecting employment and incomes in the domestic market and there can be different strategies for doing that so we have to be clear what is it that we need to protect and how should we do it and that brings us to the macro level strategic decision making of the country so how do we decide these strategic uh, issues uh, that becomes a important question in this uh, context and it has to be in the long run where the nation can gain strength those are the areas that need to be uh, protected and also where new technologies may emerge like is happening with artificial intelligence and various other nanotechnologies etc uh, and the third goal has to be generation of employment where maximum employment can be generated now if these are the criteria then given india's stage in technology rather than protect the large scale we need to boost the micro sector which is where the bulk of the employment is in the non agriculture sector and just as large scale faces disadvantage compared to mnc's because of lack of uh, adequate advanced technology small and micro sectors in india have been facing adversity given the large scale has better technology so the protection should be prioritized for the micro and the small sectors rather than the large sectors so that we can generate enough uh, demand in the economy but unfortunately what is happening in the indian economy is the demand is shifting from the unorganized to the organized sector because of the various steps that the government has taken and that is led to the further marginalization and the decline of these sectors where the employment generation is high so in a sense what we face today is shortage of demand and economic slowdown and that should be the number one priority to be dealt with thank you mr aru yeah mr nagesh your take well uh, thank you prashant uh, for having me in this discussion very interesting discussion i think in response to your first question why does it make sense to incentivize certain companies or sectors or to impose tariffs on imports uh, to encourage domestic manufacturing i think there is a theory of uh, you know core uh, sectors if you like or you know uh, the sectors that have 
very high externalities or multipliers for other economic activity. So you can, can call it uh, strategic sectors uh, or some countries call it uh, pioneering industries. So there is uh, this uh, you know, approach that you begin uh, by investing or developing certain core sector industries, which help in propagating manufacturing uh, sector uh, and economic development at large. And so in the past, we had uh, you know, a policy of promoting such industries like uh, machine tools. It was considered as a core sector. In the current context, one could think about semiconductors industry or uh, the electric vehicles we want to develop because of sustainability considerations, then uh, batteries, uh, lithium-ion batteries, which drive the or power the uh, electric vehicles, could be a strategic sector or the you know some uh, the, the core sector which will help in uh, fostering uh, industrialization. And these are the kind of policies which are found in all different countries. I can immediately recall the Malaysian example where they have been giving subsidies of a very large and significant scale to uh, attract investments in what they consider as priority sectors or pioneering industries, which do not exist in the country, but will, uh, you know, by inviting these investments or incentivizing those investments, they will help to develop those industries. And just to rem remind you, uh, you know, some years ago, uh, this Biocon India, uh, you know, this is a company uh, which is run by Kiran Shah Majumdar. She had uh, said in some news report, that she was setting up an insulin production plant of $1 billion investment in Malaysia because of these pioneer industry incentives that she received. You know, so, so these are you know, some policies which are uh, you know, adopted by different governments to foster uh, critical uh, you know, industries or sectors which will help to drive you know, the investments uh, beyond them. And coming to the point raised by uh, Professor Arun Kumar, I think the MSMEs certainly need to be supported and uh, facilitated. But for a country like India, we can't just uh, confine ourselves to MSMEs. MSMEs are clearly more important, uh, very important, and they have also faced uh, hard times under COVID pandemic, much more, much more than the larger companies. So they need to be uh, certainly supported and assisted. But that doesn't mean, and that doesn't have to come at the expense of larger industries. For instance, you know, uh, can we do without steel? And can steel be manufactured at a small scale or MSMEs? No. So we need integrated steel plants and so same applies to all other larger uh, sectors and uh, you know which cannot be uh, uh, produced in uh, msmes so msmes clearly need to be supported but that should not be at the expense of large sectors
So my question is the, the picture that I get from both your responses is that it's actually possible to target certain sectors that the government thinks is like a strategic or whatever for whatever reason. Uh, but isn't that the question of like how exactly do you go about it? Because uh, there's a lot of discretion involved, and uh, given the different vested interests that uh, you know that influence the government, uh, I, this is the question for both of you actually, uh, vested interests and stuff. So isn't that the uh, clear? Uh, yeah. So shall I go first? Yeah, either of you. Yeah, uh, the problem of cronyism actually because the government is actually uh, giving taxpayer money to different sectors, then the discretion uh, involved and the risks involved with that. Uh, so yeah. Uh, what uh, Nagesh has raised is the question of, you know, MSME versus that uh, large sector. I did not say you don't uh, cater to the large sector. Of course, you cater to the MSME as a priority, as I said. You know, it's not that you do it at the expense of other sectors. And if you have to subsidize and you have limited funds, then where do you put them? That was the question that I was addressing. So it's not one against the other that I said. It's a question of prioritization. And that's what brings us to the second question that you have which is whether, you know, the mobile phones need to be prioritized at this point of time. So there are two aspects. One is the general aspect of subsidization. The other is the specific aspect of the mobile phones. Now, exports expand the national market while imports reduce it. And therefore, we need to prioritize exports over imports so that, you know, our market expands and the employment, et cetera, expands. Now, in the case of mobile phones, we need to look at the value addition that's taking place in the mobile phones, because what we are doing is we are importing the components and we are assembling them here, and we are not really able to upgrade the technology. The investment is not in upgradation of technology of the mobile phones. So in other words, the value addition is small and the effort to upgrade technology in the sector is small. The Indian companies that were there in the sector earlier have pulled it up. So what this might entail is that we become permanently dependent on import of technology to assemble the mobiles. And that would not be uh, something which would be very desirable that we permanently simply assemble rather than you know, produce the mobile phones from basics onwards. So privileging mobiles over other goods and sectors is not that important. You know? So again, it's a question of priorities, not that you don't produce, but what should you prioritize? And the point is that we are not up on high technology. Most of the high technology we are lacking. So for instance, if you look at DRDO, uh, they have been trying to produce the LCA aircraft since the mid 1980s and it's still not ready uh, 35, 40 years down the line, the main battle tank. So wherever we put in effort, even in high technology, we have not been very successful. So what do we need to do as a strategy? That becomes the important question. We need to support where we can develop technology. And that's where I believe that intermediate technology sectors are where we need to try and boost. And some of the PLI sectors are intermediate technology. And that's where we perhaps should uh, focus. Uh, similarly, the semiconductor issue that was mentioned uh, by Nagesh, again, we are having problems, Foxconn and others, you know, Vedanta, they were going to set up, but they're not able to get the technology. So in fact, the three companies that were supposed to come in, they've really backed down because the technology is not available. And that will be the problem with high technology items that we want to produce. So what we need to do is we need to strengthen our presence in advanced technology, but upgrade it over a time. It will not happen immediately. So advanced technology is something that is not going to happen immediately. And we need to build strength in R&D to do that. So what we require is focusing strongly on education, because without strong education, you cannot build a strong R&D base. 
But this has to be a decadal plan. It cannot be a knee-jerk one as I think it is at present. Let me say we're going to do this, that, and the other without really preparing the ground to see that we do strong R&D, develop technology, and catch up in technology with the advanced countries. Uh, could I come in, uh, Prashant? Yes, 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 yes. Yeah. So, uh, again, I think your question uh, and uh, Professor uh, uh, Arun Kumar has already uh, taken or uh, uh, answered that. I, I think uh, export versus imports, you know, uh, very clearly in imports, we are giving, uh, you know, we are creating jobs and incomes in another country. For uh, exports and local consumption, if we do it uh, in our country, we create jobs and incomes for our people. So that is why, uh, you know, uh, imports need to be substituted wherever we can. Uh, I think the important issue of uh, mobiles, uh, where we have started assembling, uh, you know, millions of phones and exporting uh, or becoming a, from, uh, you know, a net exporter of uh, mobile phones. Every month, $1 billion of uh, uh, mobile phones are being exported since September. So that is... I think one uh, sector which is going to see a huge expansion of demand and sooner we get into uh, manufacturing them in the country, better it is uh, because we have a large production, a large population base of 1.4 billion people. And so our own requirement for mobile equipment would be very large. And on top of that, if we can export uh, better, uh, you know, it is. Uh, but the point which is mentioned by Professor Arun Kumar that we are just assembling, which is correct. But, you know, this is how electronics industry anywhere develops, that you start assembling and work backwards. Once the scale is developed, then assemble, sorry, uh, component producers will also come and set up the shop in your country feeding into these assemblies. So I think working backwards, so first of all, the jobs that are generated in assembling itself are not few. Right? They are in hundreds of thousands. You know, uh, So there are quite a number of uh, jobs which have been created, I think more than a lakh in one uh, plant itself. So this, this is, the, this is how we start and work backwards. Now that uh, Apple alone is sourcing 7% of their uh, phones from India, and they have plans to export uh, to cover 25% of their requirements from India in next two, three years, there will be sufficiently large base uh, in the country of assemblers. And Samsung is another assembling plant. Uh, so with these two, they will have sufficiently large scale for component manufacturers to also produce in India. And there is no region they will not do that. And then the third step would be semiconductor uh, assembly. And semiconductors, of course, uh, you know, uh, you know, even in mobile, because this is a proprietary technology, proprietary standards, and obviously we can't build 
technology overnight and become self-sufficient in these uh, sectors. But so we have to begin with the, these uh, large proprietors of technology who also control the value chain like Apple or Samsung and work backwards. And this is how everywhere uh, the technological capabilities built up. Yeah. Uh, uh, I want to go into a more fundamental question of, you know, the need for a PLI scheme itself. Uh, let's take a regular yeah. business. Let's say I want to set up a business. Uh, the yeah. thing that I look look for is the uh, demand that the product uh, that I would like, uh, the future demand that the product could probably, you know, what a consumer would basically be willing to pay for it. So I kind of forecast the demand for the product. And that's the way I decide what to invest in stuff. So isn't that how like a market economy works? So why do you exactly need a entire scheme where lacks of you know close of taxpayer money is used to incentivize certain? Why can't these businesses just cater to whatever demand is in the market? It's a very fundamental question. So yeah, I think uh, it, targeting is clearly very important when you you uh, decide to uh, incentivize certain industries. Uh, where, where do you begin and, you know, or what do you focus on is clearly very important. So, as I said earlier, I mean, governments, you know, typically target some strategic sectors, which have a huge potential. Sometimes you call them sunrise sectors or, or you know, or core sector and all. So these days, looking at the future of sustainability considerations, there is a huge emphasis on green industries like green hydrogen uh, which require electrolyzers to be made uh, the uh, electric vehicles electric mobility whole range of uh, you know storage solutions which go with it uh, wind turbines and uh, solar panels and so this, so this is one set of industries which will have booming demand because every com country is committed to net zero goals and we have our own targets by 2030, 500 gigawatts of solar or renewable power. So that means huge investments are going to go into these sectors. And can we keep on developing these industries based on imports? No. So we need to get into the manufacturing of these solar panels and, uh, you know, uh, and EVs and batteries and all that goes with it. And uh, similarly, uh, the other set of sunrise industries in the context of digital revolution or industry 4.0 is going to be the digital uh, electronics and uh, that kind of ecosystem, uh, starting from uh, the uh, semiconductors, which will find increasing applications in all sectors of the economy. I am emphasizing on all sectors of economy, including in agriculture. And so we need to, uh, a country of India's size cannot remain dependent on imports of these equipment and semiconductors. We need to develop them. There are teething troubles, of course, because there is a huge competition among governments. You know, uh, in last one year, uh, Prashant, you would find that United States government has uh, put on the table $720 billion of incentives and subsidies under three acts, CHIPS and Science Act, Inflation Reduction Act, and Infrastructure Development Act. Under these $720 billion of money, which will be distributed either as subsidies or incentives to companies which will manufacture some of these, uh, you know, high-tech 
sort of uh, equipment like semiconductors or green hydrogen or uh, you know EVs, electric vehicles. I mean, or uh, batteries, etc. So there is an intense competition. Uh, between countries. So the industrialization and manufacturing doesn't happen in a, in a vacuum in this globally integrated world. And we need to be uh, watchful of what other governments are doing. And accordingly, uh, you know, uh, sort of uh, uh, develop our own strategies to get them. And Professor Arun Kumar is right that uh, we did not uh, get much response in terms of for the uh, semiconductor plants. But I think this is a you know a effort which is uh, to be continued. And eventually, I'm sure they will see the potential of India and come around. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, uh, at the macro level, a PLI is a freebie to the corporate sector. Huh? And it is based on the idea of supply-side economics, which means that we give incentive to the private sector to produce. But this will not work when demand is short. And I think that's the issue that you were raising, that if demand is a problem, then these policies will not deliver as we are witnessing at the present. You know, our rate of growth is tending to stagnate. You know, as a result, even before the pandemic, our rate of growth had declined quarter on quarter for eight quarters from 8% to 3.1% quarterly rate of growth. Now, to boost demand, what we need to do is reduce inequalities. And that will demand for mass consumption items, which will give then a boost to the economy as a whole. So demand is a structural problem. And that, you know, the lack of demand slow down investment, whether it be in advanced areas or other areas. And that's why we've seen capacity utilization has remained rather low in industry. The RBI data seems to suggest we are hovering between 70 and 75% capacity utilization. And the demand for mass consumption items, when that rises, then that what we'll find is that other also uh, you know areas will do better because the profitability will rise. But for that, saving power of the poor needs to be raised. And that is what requires massive employment generation. And bulk of the PLI is focused on the organized sector where the employment generation is very little because of the automation. So what we need to do is create good employment data and that good employment is not available. And in our report on employment, unemployment, we showed that while 320 million Indians have proper employment, 270 million Indians don't have proper employment. And that's why there's low demand in the economy. The other structural problem that needs to be highlighted, as I said earlier, is inadequacy of research and development by businesses. Imports and entry of MNCs deters local uh, R&D. And that has been a problem we faced for the last 50 to 60 years. And we must also remember that technology is a moving frontier. It's not static. So while we may catch up in some technology, that technology worldwide advances further. So we need to make a very strong and determined effort so that we get out of the permanent backwardness that we face most of the time. As I pointed out, DRDO is not able to make the LCA and the main battle tank indigenously for the last 40 years almost. And that is because India invests only 0.75% of GDP on R&D, which is much less than most dynamic economies spend. And why the Indian businesses spend less is because the investment in R&D is very risky. So the conditions that need to be created are to lower the risk of investment in R&D. And this is where what we find is that India has the disadvantage of a late start because we are late starter and we suffer from it because we have very weak R&D. If we had strong R&D, then this disadvantage of a late start would have also slowly dissipated. But what's happening is that we repeatedly import technology rather than building internal strength. And that is what has characterized, say, various sectors in the economy even after 1991. 
So we need to spend a lot more on education sector at all levels, as I said earlier. And education has to be freed from bureaucratic control and greater autonomy needs to be given to institutions and academia. But what we see, the opposite is happening. So structurally, I think those problems need to be tackled before the PLI scheme can really deliver. Yeah, so uh, I mean, coming out of the uh, discussion about bureaucratic control of education, don't you think the basics uh, problem that the manufacturing sector in India uh, faces really is bureaucratic control? In that case, isn't that the more fundamental problem that we need to address rather than actually subsidizing corporates? Because corporates would invest even as long as there's a market for their product. You don't really need subsidies to actually make people produce, right? You just need to free the market from bureaucratic rules. So what's the whole point of a PLI when we have like really bad bureaucratic rules on the ground? Yeah, uh, Dr. Arun and Nagesh, yeah. if we can address the question. Yeah, yeah. yeah. well, uh, first of all, I think uh, it is very clear that we need to address the structural uh, issues. So the like infrastructure has to be fixed. Uh, education uh, quality has to be improved at all different levels. R&D investments uh, have to be enhanced. There is no question about, about all of them. I think uh, one issue which Professor Arun Kumar raised is that there is a problem of demand. I think demand problem certainly is there as a structural issue and inequalities need to be addressed. And uh, you know, for mass uh, consumption items, uh, demand should be uh, enhanced through uh, you know, more equal distribution of income and all that. But for these strategic industries which are being targeted under PLI, demand is not an issue. I want to emphasize on this because we are currently meeting our demand, whatever is there by imports. So we are trying to substitute imports. You know, we are importing some 60, 70 billion dollars of electronics uh, every year. So this is, uh, there, there is an existing demand which is not being catered to by local production. And so, and there are projections that by 2025 or so, we might be importing 400 billion dollars of uh, electronics every year. So why are we importing this? We, we can manufacture in India. And so there is a ready demand waiting to be exploited for some of these industries in the country, which is not, uh, you know, to be generated. This is there. It is substitution of imports. But his point is very well taken. I mean, for rest of the industries, uh, it needs to be strengthened. We need to provide a demand stimulus uh, when this uh, supply side economics would work very well, very effectively. And the other thing uh, is, you know, that uh, these Egypt a, a freebies to the company, you know, PLI and all that. One thing we need to keep in mind is that, as I said earlier briefly, that the context of industrialization has changed since 1991. Now we are talking of a globally open and integrated economy. And so we can't do something in isolation and uh, every investor, uh, you know, whether domestic or foreign, looks at what is available where. And so if other governments are giving much bigger subsidies, investments will simply flow there. So if we don't uh, do uh, some effort of promotion, facilitation and incentivization of investment, we can, my, we might as well forget about those investments. So I earlier gave the example of our own company, Biocon, investing not in India, but in Malaysia because of incentives available. So I think, and the second thing is that PLI is not an, a handout. It is 
a post facto incentive given when you have delivered the output, incremental output, incidentally. So once you have delivered the incremental output, then only these incentives become, uh, you know, uh, you know, entitled to to you. So it is not a handout like the freebies of uh, free electricity or free, which is given without any performance requirements. It is linked to a performance. Yeah. So I'll stop here. Dr. Arun, your case. Yeah, a freebie basically is a, a subsidy, you know, and given the lack of political accountability in our system, what we find is that there's a large amount of cronyism. And that's what I think you were referring to when you talked about the, you know, uh, the bureaucratic approach that maybe uh, that needs to be relaxed. So which companies and which sectors get the subsidy and which get the priority? then you know is influenced by cronyism to a large extent in the indian context further i would say that you know subsidies need to be distinguished between specific and general subsidies uh, general subsidies are necessitated by the macro situation of the economy whereas specific subsidies to sectors or to companies are based on micro level decisions uh, that are taken by the governments in the case of the latter the micro level considerations enter so cronyism can play an important role there and which is not necessarily an efficient thing to happen. In the case of former, that is the general subsidies, the bigger issues become the employment, the living conditions, etc. So subsidies which are negative indirect taxes, they are often necessitated by high indirect taxes. And because of high indirect taxes, costs and prices rise. When costs and prices rise, subsidies become necessary for exports, for agriculture, for the poor. Therefore, you know, these are the ones that need to be looked at before we think about what we do for uh, industries which have the technology, which have the capability to on their own supply uh, goods in the market. And I think that's what you were referring to earlier. Now, indirect taxes tend to be regressive. So those at the bottom need to be supported via subsidies. And given the massive increase in incomes in the organized sector, which we've seen in the last few years, even during the pandemic, they need to pay more taxes. And what kind of taxes? Obviously, direct taxes, so that you know they, they can be used to reduce the indirect taxes. We also need to check black income generation, which is largely in the large-scale sector, in the organized sector, not in the unorganized sector. And that is resorted to by the wealthy. Uh, so indirect taxes can be reduced if we actually uh, have more direct taxes. And then subsidies can also be reduced. And the structures of production will become more efficient if the black income generation could be curbed and the flight of capital that takes place from the Indian economy, that could be curbed. So what we need to do is we need to have wages which are living wages. That's what's promised in the constitution. When we do that, then subsidies to the poor in lieu of short wage payment would not be required. Public services can be strengthened so that these subsidies can also be lowered. And then the demand would be much higher in the economy, which then the large scale sector can also benefit from. And therefore, without providing subsidies, the markets can boom. So while we are importing certain kind of goods, if we are largely self-sufficient in other things, we can afford to continue and have presence in the high technology and the intermediate technology areas and develop the technology in a systematic manner rather than an ad hoc way by choosing certain sectors over other sectors. Okay, yeah. Thank you, both of you. Yeah, that was a great discussion. Thank you, both of you. Thank you, Prashant. Thanks, Hagesh. Thanks, Prashant.